1: 3510300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast.
0: Simplify your life with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Stay connected anywhere and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Navigate easily by powering apps like real-time GPS and voice assistant. Keep everyone entertained with Wi-Fi for up to 10 devices. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is the most dramatic podcast ever, an iHeartRadio podcast. Chris Harrison and Lauren Zima coming to you from the home office in a very chilly Austin, Texas. I hope everybody kind of survived that big winter push that came across the country. Um, and if you are still very cold. I think we're going to heat things up today.
3: You know what's great about this topic is we've actually been talking about this episode and also with the cold here. And there are a lot of sex puns that have come out of our conversation, like our pipes froze. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, "Oh, the water's dripping now." Oh, wait, we needed to get more wet, so the pipe. It's there's a lot. Okay, so we're we're about to
0: get dirty on today's show. Well, I mean, but. Yes. We're talking about sex. We're talking about sex, hopefully in a very helpful way today with Vanessa and Xander Moran. They are married. Uh, Vanessa is a sex therapist, licensed psychotherapist, 20 years of experience in the sex therapy field. Xander's uh, just a regular dude who's been married to a sex therapist uh, for over a decade. They do not have kids, uh, a conscious choice. She and Xander do a lot of social media work together, which I, I find very interesting. It's, it's very effective. I, I love the social media of the doctors and therapists that we have had on. I think they're using it in the right way of how to reach The everyday person and make these digestible notes.
3: Totally. And actually, I think they wrote their book together. They are New York Times bestselling authors of the book Sex Talks, Sex Talks, Sex Talks, um, which uh, is all about these five conversations you can start to really help your love life. So they wrote that book together. They do their Instagram and social media together. Um, And yeah, I think she is, as you said, licensed family therapist, marriage therapist, sex therapist, but Um, They seem to be coworkers just like we are. So I think this could, (laughs) we're going to have some fun today. Uh, We're going to ask them some questions. We have questions that we have based off some celebrity sex headlines that have been in the news lately. And also I went to Instagram and we got questions from you all. So we are going to, I think, put this into two episodes and get through um, all things. Let's talk about sex, baby.
0: And if you want to check them out, you can go to uh, their Instagram, Vanessa and Xander. Uh, with an ex, Xander, and uh, check out their stuff. But uh, we're going to dive into it. And we are so glad to have them on the show today,
3: all right. We are joined now by Vanessa and Xander Marin. Oh, my gosh, you guys, we have so many questions to ask you. Um by the way, some I asked our audience for questions and got some words in my DMs that had never been in my DMs before. Oh, so okay. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Um first though, we wanted to ask you, Vanessa, just to kind of clarify for everybody. In the layman's terms, what does a sex therapist do?
4: A sex therapist helps you have a healthy and happy sex life, quite simply. So I actually started my career in the traditional psychotherapy setting, working with people like one-on-one or two-on-one. But when Xander joined my business, we actually made this shift into working more in the online space. So we create online guides, courses, challenges, um, things like foreplay guides, sex challenges, next level intercourse, but all with that same goal of helping couples have incredible sex.
0: This might sound weird, but which came first—the chicken or the egg? Here, Xander, did you guys get married and and start hooking up first, and and be intimate, and then you started working together? How did that work?
5: <laughs> well, I, I was definitely not one of Vanessa's clients. We actually we actually met far before um, Vanessa was a, a psychotherapist. Um, we met um, before she went to grad school, and so we got together. About 16 years ago, mm-hmm. at this point, and, um, you know, a couple years into our relationship, Vanessa went to graduate school, became a psychotherapist, and then started practicing. So it's it's been in the last uh, six years or so that I've been involved with her before, you know, before that, she built this whole business on her own.
4: But I thought it would be kind of cool to have this husband and wife duo and to be able to talk about things, you know, as a real life couple ourselves with our community, we really share honestly about like, yeah, we've been together 16 years. We know what it's like to have ups and downs and times that feel less exciting and then others. And so uh, it's been really exciting. Lauren and I were talking, I think it makes it a
0: lot more relatable to know there is a couple behind all of this, Mm -hmm. because like you said, there is. Checks and balances, right? You get the female perspective, but then you're like, I want, I kind of want to know what the dude thinks because it's, it's not just one sided here. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it does make it a lot more relatable.
3: Yeah. And we were excited to talk to you guys too, because like we work together, you know, we live together, we work together, we do everything together. Mm-hmm. So look, am I
4: trying to get a little free therapy out of this? Maybe, <laughs> but it, <laughs> it is. Uh, it always turns into a good episode when the host is willing to get vulnerable themselves. I'll say it always turns into a good episode. <laughs>
0: I, I liked your, uh, your social media post when it was, you know, the common things that are said It's like, well, I, okay. So I have a friend, that
3: yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. it's right. My, my
0: friend has this question and, and being, you know, uh-huh. the host of, of the bachelor and of so many years, people would come to me often with their love stories and their sex stories. I mean, I, I vividly remember sitting at a, an airport bar, just having a cocktail and a lunch. And someone started just telling me all about their sex life. And I'm sure it's the same to you. Sometimes you just want to go to a Christmas party. You really don't want to hear about everybody's <laughs> intimate details. Or but-
3: do you, Vanessa?
4: <laughs> I do. <laughs> I gotta say, I do. She chose
0: I- the right profession.
4: <laughs> I was like, pull up a chair. Yeah, tell me more about it. I mean, let's I'm, get weird.
0: Tell I'm me. everything. I'm fascinated
4: about the topic. I think it's so interesting. So I'm I'm happy to be cornered in the you know over in the corner in the party.
0: <laughs> and before we dive in, I mean, I'm curious because I find it interesting too. And I think anything that is quote unquote taboo, or some people love to talk about it. Some people don't want to talk about it. it. Religion goes in and out of it all. What do you find so fascinating about it that you have made it your life's work?
4: What i find most fascinating is how ashamed and embarrassed we all are about this act that we all do. You know to me sex is one of the most natural normal human things that we do and also has the capacity to be one of the most joyful and exciting mm-hmm. and pleasurable experiences and yet we all feel so ashamed and embarrassed and alone. I mean i think the most common question that we get asked is, you know, is this normal? And we've gotten asked that question about some of the most normal things you can imagine. Like people will say, is it normal that I really like making out with my husband? Is it normal that I have this certain way that I want sex to be initiated? It's like, yeah, that's totally fine. So I really like to help people bridge that gap and recognize like we're all normal. It's all okay.
3: I love that. Well, then, you know, what's the number one thing you find yourself having to clear up with people the most often?
4: There's so many, but a very common one is just the general idea of sex requiring any sort of effort. So we all see it play out in movies and on TV. You know, you see characters just have this immediate, incredible chemistry. Sex is always like You know, they make eye contact at each other and then like 10 seconds later, it's on and they're dashing off into the bedroom, ripping clothes off. And then you see like the 10 second montage and everybody's happy and satisfied and, you know, falling back into the pillow after that. And so we all grow up seeing the scene replayed over and over again. And it gives us this idea that. Great sex is just supposed to happen. If you found right. the right person, if you're really with your match, it should be easy, effortless, spontaneous. You
5: never have to talk about it. Never have
4: to talk about it. Never have to put any sort of work into yeah, it. Yeah, you definitely never
5: need to go to therapy for it.
4: <laughs> and so, yeah, one of the, that's one of the big misconceptions that we really clear up for people. We actually tell people, like, let's view sex like a hobby. So like, mm. what's one of your hobbies for the two of you?
0: I love to play golf. She loves- okay. Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, I'm going to use golf because it's a little bit easier. We've gotten right sample. into role play. <laughs> but like, Okay, so you love golf. What are some of the things that you do to get even better at golf?
0: Of course, you go to the golf range, you take lessons, you pour money and time and effort into it. You don't just show up and you haven't done it for a year and you're going to be good. You got to work at it. Exactly.
4: And do you ever judge yourself for that? Is it like, oh, wow, how embarrassing that I want to be a better golfer. Like, yeah. This is so strange that I have to practice.
0: Yeah. You know, what's funny, <laughs> Vanessa, actually what I said, and Xander, I don't know if you play golf, but there are people you play golf with and they really, really, really suck. And when they suck at it, they get so mad. They'll throw clubs, they'll, they'll cuss and all this. And I, and my thing is, What have you ever done to get better? Like, why would you expect to show up Thursday and just be Tiger Woods? you can't. And I would assume the same thing goes for Friday night in the bedroom. You can't just show up if you haven't put any time and effort into it.
4: <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. And I like framing it as a hobby because I think that makes it feel so much lighter. Like if we think about like, okay, I need to get better at sex. That feels a little scary, right? You're like yeah. what, do, what do I do? How do I get better? It's embarrassing to admit that I'm not. But if we think about it as a hobby, it just makes the energy feel so much lighter. And we all have those examples of like, yeah, no, I, I love playing golf. So it makes sense that I'm going to invest in it. it's It's a sign of respect of how much I love golf that I'm willing to, you know, play so many rounds and invest in equipment and take lessons and all the things. So if we can have that same sort of vibe towards our sex life, I think it can help all of us immensely.
3: I love that. one thing i've I've actually said to friends before is, well, you guys, the first time you have sex with someone, is never the best time you had sex with that person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't speak for a one night stand, you know, we <laughs> were one and done or something. But if you're in a relationship, nobody's ever like the first time was the best and it's been all downhill since then. That doesn't happen. Practice makes perfect.
5: Yeah, we actually we call that exact concept the first pancake rule. It's kind of like when you're making pancakes, the first one or the first batch always comes out a little weird, and you're like, "Oh God, like did I do the batter wrong?" And then you keep going, and it gets better and better, and then they look totally normal. And the exact (laughs) same thing is true for sex, whether it's your first time with a new partner or your first time back after a bit of a dry spell
2: or or something. something, Yeah, or
5: trying something brand new. That that same rule applies. It's always it's going to be a little awkward. Things might not go exactly the way you want them to and you know you, you could either judge yourself and feel really ashamed like you've done something wrong be like oh god that went horribly i can never do it again or you can laugh and be like oh yeah you know the first time you try anything it's pretty much never perfect so mm-hmm. you know why don't we get back in the sack and keep working on it
0: Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com ncarwi fi Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman. Secrets and Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good 3510300 and follow the Climbing In Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast.
0: So, how is this applicable to the listener who want to get better? Like like golf, like pickleball, whatever your your passion is, whatever your hobby is. Okay, let's treat sex like this. Yeah,
3: you guys mentioned sex challenges. Is that part of practicing? Is that something oh, on yeah. your social? <laughs> yeah. What
0: what yeah, what are things? Give us some tangible things that we can all do that so are that we'll, will get yeah, us we'll ready and get us better.
4: We love breaking this down for people because like, where did we ever get the chance to learn how to be better at sex? Like, It's not like you can, you know, we don't have uh, the same thing we have with golf coaches and stuff like that. It's not quite as accessible. And so that's what our business is all about, is really breaking it down for people like step by step, hear specific techniques to use, do this and then this and then that. So like our ultimate foreplay guides are the perfect example of that. It's not generic advice like, oh, just experiment, just like try some new things. We're really walking through like specific techniques to try and how to communicate with your partner about that. And the challenges are really really fun too, giving you new things to to try out with.
5: Each yeah, other. yeah. With our sex challenge, what we do is you know we for we have thirty different days of like two prompts each day of different activities. You can try like a more sensual type of activity and then a more sexual type of activity. But what we try to do is throughout all that, give all kinds of different things to do that are not just intercourse. Cause so many people think, oh yeah, well, okay. Sex equals intercourse. And it's just all about doing the intercourse right. And, you know, being perfect at that, but there's so many other things to do. It's like, once you actually start to feel confident that, oh yeah, there's like, all these different tools in my tool belt. There's all these different activities that we can do. And I know that, you know, I can give my partner a really great experience that takes the pressure off the intercourse and lets you realize like, oh yeah, there's so many items on the menu. So many fun things to try.
3: God, you're so right. I'm sitting here thinking about like, cause just like you said, we all see these scenes in movies and all that. I do think we've all been sort of trained to think, that orgasm that like that, that sex is the, that's what we're all going for. That's the big thing. And everything else is just a step to get there. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind, I'm going back to the bachelor, babe, but you know, maybe it's about the journey.
0: <laughs> it is about the journey. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's yeah. not a James Bond movie where you barely meet the person. Then the next thing you know, he's in the shower. And the next right. thing you know, he's yeah saving the world.
3: <laughs> well, you two went viral. You made a lot of headlines because you announced that you were doing this. I don't know if you would call it one of your challenges, but you were making out every night and you wanted to just make out with each other every night. And the goal was not sex. It was just, we're going to spend some time making out like teenagers every night. So are you still doing that? And what benefits have you seen?
4: We are still doing it. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't seen that video... I, the original idea behind that was I realized one day that Xander and I really did not make out very much anymore like when we first started dating we made out for hours and hours and it was just one of the most fun things imaginable like that chemistry was so intense but like Xander said we've been together for 16 years you guys have maybe experienced this yourself like as you get into a long-term relationship we just don't really make out very much anymore and so two things were coming up for me one was like I miss that. Like there's something so sweet and innocent about making out. It just it brings you back to those teenage years where it felt so exciting. And the second thing was that I was noticing that we would only make out during or right in the lead up to sex. So mm-hmm. I was starting to get a little bit on guard when Xander would initiate a make out with me because my brain was going to, oh, he's wanting to have sex right now. And so that would put me into this, like, oh, well, do I want to have sex right now or not? And and we
5: both kind of realized that that was happening for both of us because, you know, after those early, you know, kind of honeymoon months or year or whatever at the beginning of a relationship, I think so often like life catches up with you and all of a sudden sex, which seems so easy and happening so naturally without much planning, all of a sudden it's like, you got a full load of work and life and social stuff. And like sex is not always the first thing on your mind. And so I know for me too, I would find myself thinking like, oh, she's, she's kissing me up oh, there. There's a little bit of tongue like, oh, am I do I want to have sex right now? Do I have time to have sex? And it was like, and we both kind of were talking about it, and it was like, oh, wow, we're both thinking the same thing. And it's like, how how sad is it that we're shutting down these moments of connection, these moments where we each, you know, can just feel happy and good about each other, because we're worried about what might or might not happen next.
4: So we started making out. I said, let's do it every single night before bed. And we had the explicit rule, like, it is not going to lead to sex at the beginning. And so we have been doing that for years now. And it's just become this really sweet routine, this ritual that we have together that we know, like, at the end of the night, we're always going to have this little makeout session Sometimes it's like 10 seconds if we're really tired and just wanting to go to bed. (laughs) Other nights, it's a couple of minutes. But it's just been so sweet to be able to have that moment of connection with each other. And it's really brought down the barriers to making out and feeling like this pressure that it has to lead to more.
3: Is there something physiological there? Because I think when we have a deep kiss, I feel emotionally connected like is there something happening with hormones or i don't i mean what's going on there
4: yeah research has shown that a six second kiss when you have that your body starts to release oxytocin which is otherwise known as the cuddle hormone it's the hormone that promotes bonding a sense of trust and relaxation so there really is something physiological that's happening as long as you're doing it for at least six seconds
5: yeah and the same is true i think for a 30 second hug so it's like a six second kiss 30 second hug. That's basically the time that we need in order to really kind of settle in and get those hormones releasing. But the reality is a lot of us don't take the time for a 30 second hug and definitely not a six second kiss. And yeah, unfortunately, little pecs aren't going to aren't going to get that oxytocin flowing.
0: And they, and studies have shown it's even better in the back of a Honda Civic listening to air supply. Oh yes. <laughs> At least that's what worked in the eighties and nineties. By the
3: um, way, I, we will get into, I have questions about when to reveal your sexual past, but we'll get, we'll get to that later.
0: <laughs> also, no, but I, my thought immediately went to, you're right. Oftentimes it is that, oh, this is going to lead to this. Am I up for it? Do I have the energy for this? And Maybe making these moments away from your house, you're about to walk into dinner on a date night, you're getting into the car, you're whatever, stop and have that intimate moment somewhere where it's pretty much impossible to have sex. Um, So it's just, it's never about that, that it's just about that intimate moment you're sharing.
4: Yeah, that can be a great twist to put on it if you're worried about like, well, I don't know, I am going to feel this pressure to leave. to like do it in the moments when you can't. And that can also be a great tease too. to like get a little something going when you're like, oh, we can't go any further than this.
5: Yeah, someone in our audience DM'd us and said that they do this every time they're in an elevator alone, they make out. And we we were like, that is such a good idea because it's yeah, it's like you can't do anything about it. And it's just a fun little
0: thing that you do. I like that. Discover the convenience and see if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity roadblock your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Don't miss the new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman. Secrets and Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hi,
1: everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFun Women grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What? 3510300 and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast.
3: Getting back to dating. Um, Vanessa, one thing that I saw on your Instagram was when you were describing your job and this kind of speaks to what we're talking about of like getting out of a rut and, you know, feeling like you're dating again, feeling that excitement. You said, I loved this, that part of your job is to get people to fall in love again. And I wanted to ask you, your patients that you're seeing or your audience, why do you think they are falling out of love? And what do you do to help get people to fall back in love?
4: I think it's very similar to what we were talking about with sex is, you know, in TV and movies the beginning of a relationship is always romanticized. So like the falling in love that, oh, there's some sort of roadblock that's in the way that they have to overcome. And it's like, we really emphasize that beginning state of a relationship. But then when you think about how long-term relationships are portrayed on TV and the movies, it's always like a bore. Like, Oh God, yeah. my wife's so annoying. Oh, we're the arguing ball and about chain. this again. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, we don't have any good role models of keeping that, that passion and that spark alive for each other. So in the exact same way as with sex, like we really let the gas off and just think like, okay, I, I got my partner. I won them over. We overcame the obstacle. And now I just kind of Coast. So most of us don't do anything to actively improve our relationship or nurture our relationship. Like a lot of times people will ask me like, You know, what what happened to the spark? I'm like, well, did you stop throwing logs on the fire? If you stop doing that, of course, the fires are going to burn out. So obviously, this is a huge conversation, but I'll give you one super practical thing that people can do. There's some really fascinating research that has shown that gratitude is actually the number one predictor of marital success. And gratitude is so interesting because it's free. It's easy and it's very fast. So just doing something very simple, like telling your partner how much you appreciate, you know, all those little things that you see them doing. Hey, I saw that you unloaded the dishwasher. Thank you for doing that. Oh, I saw that you got me my favorite cookie at the grocery store. Thank you so much for that. Like those little moments go such a long way in helping you feel seen, appreciated, and loved.
5: And that that kind of pulls you out of that, that dynamic or that idea that it's so easy to fall into over the years of like, oh, our marriage or our partnership is just this transactional relationship. Like you, you do these chores, I do those chores, you know, you make this money, I make this money. This is how, you know, the arrangement works. And it's easy to fall into that and kind of forget like, hey, we're both here voluntarily. Like we want to be here because we love each other because we care about each other. And just being able to hear those little moments of gratitude is a great way to pull us out of that kind of transactional way of thinking and into just more of the emotional.
0: And and I know kids will play a huge part of that. I'm sure you work with people with kids. I know you guys don't have kids. Lauren and I, we're, we're now empty nesters. Our kids are up at college. So we we have a little bit of both. Like we just spent a month and a half with them and they were very much in our lives, but now they're back at school and we get to run around naked all the time now. <laughs> and so it, it, That's it, what it,
3: you mean when you said throwing logs on the fire, right? Vanessa, just <laughs> walking around naked. Yeah, running around yeah. naked.
0: <laughs> but I'm sure you work with a lot of families, people that are dealing okay. with children, which exponentially changes things. It makes things a lot more difficult to keep that spark alive. So what is, what is your advice to those that are dealing with kids when you have a, a, you know, a three-year-old hanging on your hip and yeah, I will go ahead
3: and I'll I'll, these. were going to be in our questions from the audience episode, but now's a good time. I had two questions. One, is it normal to have less sex in a marriage after you have kids? And two, how do you make your way back to each other sexually after becoming parents? Those are from two different listeners of ours.
4: It is incredibly normal for your sex life to decrease after having kids. So most couples won't have sex again until like 6 to 12 months after having a kid. And the frequency will be much lower than it was beforehand. And that's really because kids change everything in your life right like you're exhausted you're feeling all this anxiety especially if you're a first-time parent about like am i doing this right it feels like the dynamic is totally shifted between the two of you because now there are three of you instead of just you and your partnership Financial stress, like everything changes. So, of course, our sex lives are going to change as well. So, I think just normalizing it is the most important place to start because so many parents go into it with this expectation of, oh, we have the kid and then we get cleared at the six week mark and things are supposed to go back to normal, right? And that just does not happen for the vast majority of parents. So, One of the tips that I would give for parents for finding each other again might sound a little counterintuitive, but I think it's actually really important for parents to make a little bit of space for each other to be individual people. And this is especially important for women who just have a different burden on them with a brand new child. They're literally relying on your body for survival. You've just grown them inside of your body for months and months and months. And so a lot of women just feel like they lose their sense of self. And it's it's so hard to show up as a romantic partner when you're feeling like you're drowning, just trying to show up as a mother. So being able to support each other and having a little bit of alone time. And even if that alone time is like, I need 60 seconds to go into the closet and close the door and be in the dark and just breathe. That's great. But just a little bit of time for each other to have some separate space can be so beneficial and like helping you feel like you come back into your own skin. So then you can reconnect a little bit with your partner.
3: I love that. It sounds like a lot. I mean, correct me if I'm summarizing this wrong, Vanessa, but a lot of the advice I'm hearing from you is going back to like, like love each other for who you are, be grateful for each other and and kind of keep dating. Like when you said throw logs on the fire, that's going to stick with me. Is that... Are are you saying keep dating that person? Is that a huge part of what you tell people?
4: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, people are always asking, like, what you know, why did why was it so much easier in the beginning of the relationship? And I was like, it wasn't. You were just putting so much more effort in in the beginning. of It was, our a, relationship.
0: Priority yeah, it was a priority because we wanted to make something happen. We
4: wanted to make the person like us. <laughs>
3: but you can't. Exactly. You can't.
0: You just can't treat a relationship like it was a building. Like, oh, look, I built it, and then you can walk away thinking that that building's going to be there tomorrow. It's like you got to keep. Yeah. That, that same energy, the same concept of hitting on that person, flirting with that person, dating that person.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want that, that new relationship energy to sustain throughout the relationship, you have to keep showing up in the same sort of way you did at the beginning of the relationship.
3: Well, I love all this so much. Now, one thing we do a lot is we go through celebrity headlines. So we have some celebrity news headlines for you two um, that have spurred some sex conversations. Yeah. I'm going to call them sex celebrity headlines this week. <laughs> We're going to start off with... One that went everywhere. I don't know if you all have heard of them, but Larsa Pippen, current real housewife, former wife of Scotty Pippen, is dating Marcus Jordan, son of Michael Jordan. Um, we could probably get into a lot of sex yeah. therapy about the fact that she's dating her ex-husband's dear friend's son. Yeah. But anyway, um, they said that they have sex five times a night. A night. And-
0: Not a week. A I night. actually
3: separately got this question from some people DMing me. So how much is too much? How often is normal? How much should couples be having sex every week? What's healthy?
4: This is the big question that we always get asked. What is that magic number? And I know so many people saw that interview and just thought like exactly what, what you were saying, Chris, like five times a day. Like m- most people are like, I don't know if we even do it five times a month kind of Somebody's
0: thing. walking away with a limp.
4: Like that doesn't sound physically <laughs> I enjoyable to me.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. No,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm in pain. Numbers, no. numbers four and five. You're not, you're just, you're trying to survive. It's. You know what numbers four and five of sex uh, in the same night That is the last four miles of a marathon. You're just (laughs) trying not to wet yourself. Your toenails are falling (laughs) off. You just like, let this be over.
4: (laughs) So as a sex therapist, I will tell you that truly there is no one magic number that's going to work for every single couple. But honestly, I think that we have the wrong question. So many people are so fixated on how much sex should we be having. But in reality, the quality of the sex that we're having is so much more important than the quantity. So if you're having sex that feels kind of boring. It's routine. You do the same things over and over again. It's very predictable. Like there's no point in forcing yourselves to try to do that five times a day. It's not going to be an enjoyable experience. And the more that we really like push ourselves to focus on the quality and the quantity, like the more we might actually notice our sex drive decrease because we're not having an enjoyable experience.
5: Yeah, I actually thought of a really great comparison, Chris. It's like if for golf: would you rather play five really bad games of golf a week, <laughs> or like one really awesome one where you come away feeling great about yourself? Like if you do those five and you, it's like a struggle, you're throwing your clubs. Like how are you going to find the motivation to do another five
0: the next? You're just going through the motions. And- <laughs> I,
3: I'm also wondering when they're when they're working, eating. That's so much time during the day, five times a day. How much? It's so much time. Well,
0: a lot of med- stuff comes into play. You've (laughs) got to get your fluids. You've got to get your electrolytes in. You need some protein if you're going to survive that. But so I, I like your idea of quality over quantity. Don't worry about the number, worry about the quality. So what does that mean? What can we do to make the quality better when we are intimate?
4: So the biggest thing that comes up in male-female relationships is the orgasm gap. So research has found that men are having way more orgasms than women are having. And when we talk to male-female relationships, it's almost always the woman who's saying like, my sex drive feels pretty low. I don't really want it. it. feels like my partner wants it all the time. What's wrong with me? As women, we have the tendency to blame ourselves, to feel like we're the ones who are the problem. And so we'll ask her like, okay, well, describe the sex that you are having to us. And she'll describe it as like, well, it's all about him. It's on his timeline. As soon as he's done, we're done. There's not really anything in it for me. So our biggest piece of advice is to make sure that her pleasure is prioritized as much as his pleasure is. And practically, like sometimes that might even be her having an orgasm or her being the focus first before you move on to him. So going back to, you know, the um, we were talking about foreplay earlier, we actually hate the word foreplay. It's on the first page of our guide. Like we know you just bought this guide that says the ultimate foreplay guides, so but we actually don't like this word because it implies that these things are like lesser then. Like intercourse is the main thing and foreplay is just like, that's just the stuff you do for 30 seconds on the way to intercourse. But the reality is for women, you are much more likely to make her orgasm with your hands or your mouth than you are with intercourse. In reality, only 10 to 15% of women can orgasm from intercourse. So focusing more on the hands and the mouth is going to go a very long way for both of you.
0: And in the talking, as you said, you know, in general, this is a taboo subject, but what I find also interesting is how reluctant we are just to have a conversation with our significant other of babe, what can I do to make you orgasm? What can I do to help you? I think get people the- are
3: really worried about hurting each other's feelings, oh. which is a good thing, but that that's what I think.
5: Oh, yeah, we get so worried about hurting the other's feelings by, oh, if I say this, they're going to think I'm implying that or they're going to think that I mean something totally different. Or we get this idea in our heads that, OK, because we have been doing it this way for the last X number of years or because this was the way these are like the three positions that we did the first, you know, couple times yeah. we had sex that somehow we've like made this blood oath that this is the way that we do it. so many people come to us with this "Of oh well I couldn't possibly do another position because these are the ones that we've always done or like well I couldn't possibly do this because one time you know she said like don't go down on me and so therefore she never wants me to do it and it's like no the only way to really understand what we actually want is to keep talking about this stuff I mean our preferences change sometimes early on in relationships we say things because we think we're you know trying to help our partner out or throw them a bone and then, you know, you don't want them to take that one thing you said and be like, okay, cool. Now I never do this or I always do that. So yeah, like you're saying, Chris, the talking about it is so important.
0: And and people really should, t- I mean, look, women are very mysterious. They're impossible to figure out. So guys, when they give you an actual statement of this is the roadmap, I mean, God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> now I got it. I'll give you another Um,
4: practical tip here. So most men like really do want to please their partners. But one of the big mistakes that they make is asking, what can I do for you? Or what do you want Mm -hmm. me to do? And the problem with that question is it's too broad. You don't know how to answer it. Like, and then that's where we get into this place of, well, I don't want to hurt his feelings. And what do I say? And for a lot of us women, it's like, well, I don't even know what I need. So what am I supposed to do? So instead what we recommend is give her two options to choose from. We call this the eye exam game. So you know when you get your eyesight checked. They show you like, okay, look at this slide. Is this one more clear or is this one more clear? Like when you have two options to choose from, Mm. it makes the decision just feel so much easier and more straightforward. So you could do this, um, you know, you could do it for broad things. Like, do you like it better when I use my hands on you or when I use my mouth on you? And then you could even get really specific in the moment. Like, let's say you're using your hands. Try two slightly different techniques with your hands and ask, do you like this one better or this one better? So... It gives her options to choose from, and it also shows that you genuinely do care about her pleasure because you're willing to come up with the options for her rather than just making her come up with everything.
0: So is, is my takeaway here, these are conversations and things that are best kind of in the heat of the moment as opposed to we're having dinner. Babe, what do you think about this when I do we're this?
3: At, we're at Applebee's yeah. and we're like
4: <laughs> that is a great question. You know? So we actually wrote a book called Sex Talks, The Five Conversations That Will Transform Your Love Life. Because talking about sex, it's another one of those things that like we all sort of know that we should be doing it, but we don't know how to do it. And so again, mm-hmm. we wanted to make it like really clear and, and break it down step by step. So the first conversation that we start with in the book is what we call the acknowledgement conversation, which is simply getting comfortable with the idea of talking about sex. So if you and your partner have never talked about sex before, we actually don't want you to jump right into like, what can I do better? How do I improve? What do you want?
5: Yeah. Or like in the moment, like that's going to feel like super confronting. Yeah.
4: It's going to feel too intimidating for both of you. And you're more likely to have a conversation that goes off the rails. So instead we want you to start outside of the bedroom and we want you to talk about sex in a positive way or even in a neutral way. So all you're trying to do is get comfortable with it as a topic of conversation. So one of the best like practical conversation openers would be to ask your partner, what are some of your favorite sexual memories with me? So that gets the two of you like reminiscing about great experiences you had together. And it also starts to highlight some good information. Like, oh, maybe all in all of our favorite sexual experiences, it was we were doing like a lot of positions, or we had her go first, or there was a certain way it got initiated. But it's just getting the two of you comfortable talking about the topic openly.
5: Yeah. And then when it comes to the more specific stuff, like Vanessa, you know, was mentioning before, oh, do you like this technique or that technique? I think in general, it's best to start initiating those conversations outside of the bedroom in a more neutral setting. Because if you're not used to talking about sex while you're having sex or right afterwards, it can bring up a little bit of anxiety. And so I think it's good to start talking about, hey, it would be fun to try a couple of things. I want to, you know, I want to support you in having a better experience. So would you be open to, in the moment, us You know, me giving you a couple of options, see what you like, and then talking about, you know, how each one is or what you think.
3: Wow. I think that's such a good note to end on. I don't even want to waste more time on these celebrity headlines because we have real questions from our (laughs) audience to get to. So we're going to go for that in the next episode. Vanessa and Xander Marin, their book is called Sex Talks, the five conversations that will change your love life. Their podcast is Pillow Talks, and you can find them on social media. And we're going to be back with questions from you.
0: Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the most dramatic pod ever, and make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. I'll talk to you next time. You like to watch new stuff, right?
5: other important information.